all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they've got to get them off welfare. Hi, welcome to Cars and Comrades, your probably only podcast for uh, socialist car content, leftist car tent, car content, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Car tent, I like it. Car tent, yes. <laughs> we invented a new word. My name's Bryant. We've got the voice you just heard was Brandon. We've Hi. got Zach. Hello. And Connor, of course. Hey. And uh, we were just having some microphone trouble, but hopefully we're all coming in loud and clear now. Uh, we'll see how this ends up. Uh, so today we're talking about electric vehicles and the maybe slightly unsavory business practices that uh, surround them. Uh, well, just in general, why all of the electric vehicle startups are scams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe that's... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, but... Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Brandon's got some research on that. So, uh, but I guess first we'll talk about our projects, give a little update on what we've been working on in the last couple weeks since we've uh, talked. And um, I think since we've been doing alphabetical order lately, would would you guys be okay with doing reverse alphabetical order? Zach, are you? Uh, am I putting you on the spot? No, not at all. I <laughs> I'm ready to go. Okay. What, what have you been working on? Not a damn thing. Done. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was easy, right? <laughs> I know why Zach was ready to go. Cool. Yeah, no, for real. I, I haven't done anything. My truck has been running well enough. Gets me to where I need to go. So I haven't had to do anything, so I haven't done anything. Oh, that's Does actually, it... that's, that sounds really nice. It's so like peaceful. That. It's so peaceful. <laughs> I, I I was there for a while. It was great. <laughs> uh, who's next? Was that Connor? Well, hold on uh, a second before before we move on. Zach, does it still have the green taillights? Of course, man. Those are there okay. forever. <laughs> okay, if those good. bulbs burn out, I am gonna scour the globe for more green reverse taillight bulbs <laughs> and replace them because I, it really adds to the character. Okay, okay, that that's a relief. Thank you. I now, may now I can. Sleep easy. <laughs> I may f find another uh, random uh, D for the other side of the, the ranger emblem, because one side says danger, and the other side says anger, and I think I'm going to switch it to both be danger. Just kind of bring it all together. Yeah. yeah. Symmetry is important. Oh yeah, for sure. But it has to be a totally different uh, script than the rest of the letters, right? Yeah, for sure. The one that's on there right now is from a Silverado, I think. I think it's the D from Silverado. Okay. So I've got to find uh, maybe a Dodge D or, like, um, I don't know what else. Maybe Daiwu. They, they got a yeah, if you can find one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say I've ever come across any Daiwu patches. <laughs> I, I've seen a couple of Daiwus on the street, but I, I don't think I'm going to just steal somebody's badge so i'll have to find one second hand 
Yeah. If you're listening and you have a Daiwu badge and you want to see the D from it stuck to my 93 Ford Ranger, hit me up. Man. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. If you want Zach's uh, ang- anger to be danger and your Daiwu to be Iwu. <laughs> <laughs> or, or put the R on there from the Ranger and if yeah. you still have that R, you know, make it a, a Rai, Raiwu. <laughs> But uh, all right. Sorry, sorry, Connor. Uh, I just had to make sure that that we were all squared away on on the the taillights there. Yeah, I feel like the taillight uh, conversation is pretty important. Um, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I I skipped over that, so that was my bad, actually. <laughs> to, to be clear, when people talk about going green, you know that's not what they mean. Right? <laughs> what? I've been parking in the truck in all the green vehicle spots and all the parking lots, man. Connor, what you been up to? Um, well, so I'm back in the office, uh, back in the office as of this past week, which has been brutal. Uh, early estimates are it cost me a fuckload of money to drive to work in that Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. So um, also, because I'm driving the Camaro more, I'm coming across problems much more frequently. And there, there's many, as, as you can guess. So it's throwing a couple codes now for all kinds of random shit. I've got to, uh, I have a couple of cracked, fucked up hoses on uh, a purge solenoid valve that uh, I'm going to try and get, get a couple new hoses this week and hook that up and maybe that'll help one of the codes. Probably not, but, you know, maybe. Um, and then the other problem, and I think this is kind of a bigger issue, um... My gasoline tank, my gas tank filler neck is fucking, I don't know, smashed up funny such that the uh, gas cap doesn't fit. (laughs) So, uh, it hasn't fit in years, by the way. But, like, I wasn't driving the car, it wasn't a big deal. And, you know, you can get it to turn in there a little bit and then, like, it clicks. So I was like, well, kind of works. Uh, but the truth is, no, now it's like I've got gasoline sliding out of the filler neck down the paint of my car. Uh, so now, once I have a full tank and I'm like, okay, this is actually a fucking problem now. So I've got to find a way to flatten this thing out to make it actually round again so that the gas cap fits. So I don't... I've, I've actually had that exact problem before. I'm I am open to suggestions because I'm so the the reason I I don't know why the fuck it's bent I I really don't but I dropped the tank to change the fuel pump um, years ago so like back when the car was like I fixed the fuel pump but then the car sat for another couple years I don't remember what the fuck happened I know it was a pain in the ass to deal with but like we got it in I got the cap on I said fuck it good enough but now I'm like okay that wasn't good enough. And I, I think we tried to use, like, a seat clamp or something to get it close, and I don't remember that working very well. So I don't know what my options are here. So I'm, I'm happy to hear what you've, uh, what you've had go on, Brandon. It was, it was, my filler neck wasn't fucked up. I just, uh, for a long time, didn't realize that the gasket on my, like, old... Because this was from a six... Like, one of my old bands, a 69. 
the gasket on the gas cap was old and cracked. And so it wasn't forming a seal anymore. And one day my friend was following me somewhere and he's like, Hey, you know, when you turn right really hard, the gas just pours out of your gas tank. Right. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Cool. <laughs> uh, but I just had to put a new, uh, gasket on the gas cap. So it wasn't, it, I say I, I had the exact same problem. I just meant of gas pouring out of my fucking gas tank when I drove it, but it was an yeah. easy fix. Yeah, so I in the so one thing I did do is I went and I got a new gas cap because I know that's a ten dollar fucking good try. So I got a new gas cap and I was like, all right, we're gonna see what happens here. So I screw it in, I get the clicks and I put my finger around it and I'm like, yeah, there's like a fucking half inch sticking out. I can feel the fucking rubber uh, O ring inside. So I was like, yeah, this isn't doing shit. <laughs> this isn't doing a goddamn thing. So. Uh, so I've got to I got to try and squeeze this thing down to be a circle again. I'm hoping for the best because that's I'm I'm pretty sure it's part of the reason it's throwing codes and also it's 100% the reason it's pouring gas all over me. So you know that's not a thing. Um, so I found that I've also got uh, a. I don't know, a starter cable that is dragging on the ground right now. It's not functional. It doesn't work. Um, I guess, like, the previous owner, I think he at one point hooked the hooked the battery up, and he did, like, a, a rear battery uh, a relocate. So he had the battery in the back. And then he moved it back up front, but, like, he never removed the cable. Um, so that cable is there running to the back, and at some point that came loose. I couldn't quite tell what it was until I like crawled down there and you know used uh, something to kind of pull it towards me. And I was once I figured as soon as I figured out what it was, I was like, yeah, this thing can drag all fucking. Like I'm not, I don't really want to jack the car up and do all this bullshit. It's, it's not functional. It'll just drag on the ground until it's gone. Fine with me. I'm okay with it. So, I thought that could be a bigger issue than it was. It's not a big issue. It just looks sloppy. So, it's gonna. Keep looking sloppy for a little bit, and then yeah. uh, so on top of, on top of all that, that's with the Camaro. Uh, I have no new updates on the Z, um, so I think uh, you know I've got to uh, remember to call this week and see you know put some pressure on my guy to put some pressure on the machine shop for the heads because it's like you know. Originally, they said, like, uh, you know, two to three, maybe four weeks to get those things ported. I don't know how long they've been there, but I'm pretty sure it's longer than that. So time to time to put a little pressure on them. There's one more thing. I'll try and make it quick. Um, I may go to a different engine tuner than I was planning on um, because I, you know, called up, like, hey, i got to push my tuning date back again because obviously shit's going really fucking slow and it's just it is what it is. Um, and they're like, oh, you know, we'd like to get you in before um, June 24th because that's when such so-and-so, the person who was going to tune my car, is leaving. And I'm like, and I'm on the phone. I'm like, oh, so, you know, I didn't say it, but I'm like, oh, fucking, re seriously? So they're like, oh, he's uh, training the replacement or whatever. And I'm like, uh, if I had a, just a bolt-on car, I don't think I'd mind. Um, because then it's easy, but I'm like, this is a bit more complicated, and I was kind of hoping that this guy who I was confident knew what he was doing was going to do it. So I may have to find another shop to go and do it. Um, 
nothing against this random guy I don't know, but like, you know, I I had planned on having it done by the dude who was there because he sounded like he knew what the fuck he was doing. Um, and so if he's gone, uh, I may have to find something else. So another pain in my ass. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, or I just, track down that guy, you know, at whatever shop he's at. Yeah, that's you know, I'm gonna try and like you know, see if that or something. But uh, I, he gave them a lot of notice. I something tells me that he might be like moving because originally he he took the job there because he had moved here. Mm. So, you know, I'm not sure, but like I said, I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I may have to find a different tuner now. Yeah. Whatever. That that's a, a deal with that problem when you get there kind of problem. Oh yeah, that's not a that's not a big deal for me. I was just like, well, all right, whatever. That's just again, right now, I want to get I want to get the shit out of other shops. So, whatever, it's fine. I'm gonna get a very late start to my drifting season though, and I'm like, the whole idea I was thinking was like I'd be out drifting by May or June. And right now, I'm like, mm, I'll be lucky to be drifting in July. So, it is what it is. That's every car project does tend to go this way. So, whatever. That's. Uh, I think that's all I got, though. Yeah. Hey Connor, remind me, you you had a CD009 swap in that, right? In that car, right? That's all done and ready to go. I mean, it's not all done. It's it's the the trans is there. I've got you know, and that's it. That's really that's all there is to a CD double nine swap in for a DE because it's the same trans with better internals. That's all okay. it is. Okay. Yeah. So I, it, you have to be more in if you're changing from automatic to manual or this or that. This is bolts right. So it's just you know once the old trans is out and you put in the you know, fresh motor in, um, you're just hooking this thing up to it, so. Yeah, but, and I think I've seen other people use that that transmission for other swaps, too, like, not for Nissans or anything, but, like, like I, I think there's a kit you can put it on, uh, like, a Mercedes turbo diesel engine or something like that, you know? I guess they're pretty stout transmissions. Yeah, people using those CD009s for everything now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... They they claim that they're like they're good for about a thousand horsepower stock. Like they're wow. they're hardy. Yeah. Um yeah. they're very good. Um they have better like the D E uh transmissions, the one like I have, you know, the synchros aren't as good. They don't have the kind of uh whatever little giblets that make the shifting smooth and they wear out. Uh the C D double nine got rid of all that stuff and like improved all of that and yeah they're solid nice so that's definitely not going to hold up your build at all as soon as the motor's ready to go you're you're good to go yeah yeah cool cool yeah i have all the parts to my knowledge i have every single part that is part this i've had for months so i think we're good yeah and i was going to say for the the gas cap thing i've heard the old school way of fixing that is just to use a potato and stuff that in the the filler neck but uh i don't know how well that works or it's definitely not a long-term solution no no and i I'd, I'd rather not have you know 
um, potato bits in my gas. <laughs> nah, that's fine. I mean, if you put some yeast in there, you get ethanol, right? <laughs> well, that's true, I suppose. I think that that's leaving a step outside. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there was a couple of years ago, there was some lemons team that was having a leaky gas cap and they, they just zip tied a, like a rubber glove over it. And then they were going around a corner and they just had a, like a giant balloon of gasoline, like hanging off their car. <laughs> <laughs> and the race officials are like, you guys need to fix this for real this time. Like none of this half-ass bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, we'll see. I, I've, you know, if I have to get creative, at least short term, like I may have to stuff something or, or you know, put a, some kind of fabric or something. I, I don't fucking know around around this thing. I jam it in there. It's kind of hope for the best. Maybe it stops a little bit of it. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, by by ideally, I'll be able to smash it into a circle but i'm i'm pretty sure we tried that it got to the point where it was like all right the cap kind of goes in there we've had enough good enough good done so i don't know if i'm going to be able to do it or not i don't know what the solution is if i can't um let's i don't think you can replace a filler knack i think i think that's usually part of the gas tank that like i would have to replace and i don't want to have to do that well usually there's there's like a rubber piece in between where you actually put the gas in the tank, right? Uh, I, I honestly, like, I don't remember. I mean, we had it out, okay. but, like, we had it out as one full... Because, again, we were just doing the fuel pump on it, so I, like, wasn't paying attention. Connor, send me some pictures. I might be able to help. I don't know. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll send you something just because, yeah, it's a, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I might have absolutely nothing, but I might be able to offer up something. Okay, so. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a picture. If you think about it. Cool. All right, uh, Brian, you want to tell us what you've been up to? Yeah, sure. So, I think it was uh, the day after we recorded last. I went down to the junkyard and got a couple things for my Sabaru. Um, one thing I didn't notice for a while that it was just missing a jack. So, like, I had no way of jacking up my car if you know i got a flat or whatever mm. so i got one of those for like three bucks and uh then also when i put the bigger intercooler on my car um the guy warned me about this but it it rubbed up against the um ac lines along the firewall and i thought i had fixed this by like putting some rubber or vinyl tubing around the aluminum lines uh, to have like a little barrier, a little pad for the in between the intercooler and the and the AC lines, but okay. it, it rubbed through that and then rubbed through the lines and all the coolant leaked out, and so I have no AC. Uh, so I picked up some new hard lines at the junkyard uh, from an 07. Hopefully, it'll fit my 05. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, and then I gotta you know uh, rent all the equipment to like purge it and put new um, lubricant and coolant and everything in the system and do all that. So hopefully I can get AC working on that car because on my MR2, AC is a little little weak and barely just keeps up. 
when it's like 85 out and it was like 90 yesterday. So I should probably have at least one car that has, you know, decent AC that works. And that's, uh, I was going to go to the lemons race, uh, yesterday, uh, in, um, high plains raceway out, out East in Colorado. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was 90 degrees out and, uh, I wasn't feeling that great. So I was like, yeah, I don't really want to drive an hour and a half with no AC out there, but, uh, I, I might be at the one in September, either at racing or, um, just hanging out and saying hi to folks. So if I missed you, if you're listening and I missed you this last one, I'll see you at the next one. But other than that, I've been working on my moped. I, I might've said this, but the, the rear wheel had a big dent in it. I think I hit a curb a long time ago and, uh, I had tried to straighten it out with the spokes and everything, and that didn't work. Um, I was talking to my roommate who used to be a bicycle mechanic, and he's like, yeah, that rim is toast, you know, uh, just check it. And I had a spare wheel um, from a kinetic moped, which is the same Vespa moped, but licensed built in India. And so things are slightly different on that. Um, the, the splines for the wheel where it meets the transmission uh, didn't line up exactly, so I couldn't just swap the wheel over. Um, so what I'm having to do is, it's a spoke wheel, it's a wire wheel, so I'm having to take all the spokes out and swap the hub from this wheel and the rim from this wheel and get all the spokes put together. So that's a pain in the ass. Uh, that's what that I've been doing. Like a lot of work. Yeah, yeah I mean... And if if I could find one of these wheels for sale, I would just buy one. Um, but I think they're like 150 bucks and very rare and hard to find. So if anyone has a 16-inch Vespa moped wheel, especially if it's an alloy wheel, those are pretty rare. But uh, let me know if you want me to if you want to sell it to me. I might buy it off you. But um, yeah. I fully support the, our slow transition into turning this from a podcast into just us recording, like ever asking people to send. Yeah, us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, honestly, if you just want to email us about anything, mostly we've been getting spam messages for someone named Priscilla Brown. I don't know who Priscilla Brown is, but uh, someone really wants to talk to her about like refinancing her house or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people have been trying to get in touch with me lately about my car's extended yeah, warranty. Yeah, yeah, that too. Which it must be very extended because my newest car is from 1975. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dude, they just built things to last back in the day. All right, so you get the <laughs> the 50 year warranty. <laughs> uh, so, so I simultaneously strongly agree and strongly disagree. They built things that absolutely wouldn't last, but were kind of infinitely rebuildable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we should definitely do an like, episode on uh, right to repair because that that crosses over a lot. I think yeah, we've talked about that. One hundred fifty fucking percent. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that if you want to if you want to talk about the intersection of, of cars and like leftism, uh, short of like labor unions, I think that's one of the better fucking topics that we can cover. For sure. Yeah, but that's all I've got. Uh, so, Brandon, what have you been working on? Okay, this is easy. I've been, but like, I've been probably spending three or four hours a day in the shop lately, but doing fairly straightforward stuff. So, 
Um, I've been, I finally started uh, uh, hammering out and welding in the sheet metal for the window frame for my 69 Chevy. I finished my friend's uh, Volkswagen bus's window frame. So I've been, I got all my tools back in the shop and I've been working on that. It's going good on some days and bad on others. I am so fucking bad at sheet metal, but, uh, you know, I'm learning, learning by doing, so whatever. I saw that, uh, Brandon, I saw that, uh, that little tool you made to, like, help straighten out the window frame in the van where you welded the, like, yeah. the little, um, the little... Yeah, there was such a tiny gap between the pieces of sheet metal. I had to, like, make a, a, a quick little tool to, like, actually reach in and get to some stuff and bend it. It, it worked pretty well for the, like, 15 minutes that I needed it, and then... Whatever. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, when once once you have a welder, like suddenly you're like, I can just make any tool I need. This is awesome. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I got yo. Know, so last last we discussed, I think I had the cutlass running again. So I have the cutlass not running again. <laughs> um, last last weekend, I went for a joyride with a couple of friends, and we just cruised around the neighborhood. And as I was turning back onto my street. I did a pretty good burnout and like slid through the turn in my residential neighborhood and uh, the car died and I was literally able to just coast into my parking space. And I didn't mess with it because I thought that it had something to do with the slide, like maybe starving it for fuel a little bit or something like it didn't quite make sense, but I was willing to accept yeah. it. Anyway, last week. What's that? Those are my favorite. Where you, you come up with that explanation in your head that's always this little, oh maybe this little thing. Yeah, I can go with that. <laughs> yeah, where it's like I, I really don't want to worry about this. So I'm going to assume that this is going to fix itself. Uh, spoiler alert: it did not fix itself. Never does. Uh, yesterday, I tried to get it going to go to a, a, like a car show, and uh, it would it would run for a little bit and then it would die and then it would idle and then it wouldn't even start and then it would run. And, you know, I got a few burnouts in, but I couldn't even get it running for more than one lap around the block. Uh, I think my ignition module got fried when I had my like massive short in the electrical system. So uh, I've had this exact problem before and the module fixed it. That's a $50 part that takes maybe 30 or 40 minutes to swap out, so I'm not worried about it. I just got to go get it. And I think I actually have a spare in my shop, so I'll go grab that one and swap it out. Um, pretty straightforward. I also have started prepping for uh, my the engine swap in the Cutlass, because if it's not going to run, at least it should not run with a big block in it. <laughs> That's true. But... Uh, uh, so uh, I put like I, I know I know I've discussed it before, but as a refresher, I'm putting a 455 volts motor in it, and I've been doing a lot more in-depth research on like power outputs I can expect and like you know what the the good performance upgrades are. And it looks like for about three grand, I could have a motor that's around four to 450 horsepower, but is making 600 plus pound feet of torque at three grand. Cool. Jesus, it's awesome! So attractive. Yeah. Um, and like, dude, I like doing burnouts, so that's fucking great for me. Uh, I'm not gonna shell out the three grand to get to that point, uh, not yet at least. I'm probably just gonna do an intake and a cam, 
but it got me thinking that if I'm even coming close to the four and 500 pound feet of torque range, I am going to absolutely grenade any transmission I put behind it. So I have to put a little bit more work into the transmission and I have settled on building a 204R for it, which is a kind of a weird GM transmission. It was, uh, it, it, it got put in car, like uh, mostly BOP cars, uh, Buick Olds Pontiac. Um, so it's got, it's already got the right bell housing bolt pattern for my motor. And apparently from the factory, there were a handful of things that were weak enough that my motor would absolutely shred this transmission, but apparently it takes really well to modification. And I got to call, I forget the name of the company, but there's like an old school builder, like transmission guy named Art Carr. It's like big in like the hot rod magazine circle. And uh, he loves those transmissions. Apparently I'm going to call his company up, see specifically what I need to beef up for my purposes. But it looks like for about six or seven hundred dollars, I'll have a rebuilt transmission with enough upgrades to handle up to about a thousand horsepower. Oh, that's, that's and have overdrive. Um, and it's a pretty tall overdrive too. It's a point six seven overdrive. And as I've told you before, so the four fifty five is gets most of its displacement through stroke. It's a crazy long stroke. It's a four and a quarter stroke motor. Um, and stroker motors have a tendency to be more fuel efficient. And between that and the way the heads are and the runners and everything, I've read plenty of tale of a 455 getting about 18 miles to a gallon. If I can put in that 204R transmission and the math actually of like transfers from, you know, a computer onto the street, <laughs> I will hopefully be getting in the neighborhood of 22 to 24 miles to a gallon highway out of 2455 big block. Cool. Yeah. So pretty stoked on that. Yeah. That'd be and, like, that's uh, like, that, that's, that's like a, you know, the, uh, that's my legit brand new Subaru. <laughs> yeah. No, it's better. Yeah. I was gonna <laughs> that's say, better. That's really like not much of a joke. That's, that's, that's how they, yeah, I'm lucky if I get 25 with my Subaru. I've never yeah, gotten 25. I, uh, <laughs> I will not pretend that I actually am going to get that. But even if I can get it up to like 20 or 22, that's daily driver status for me. My current daily gets 12 fucking miles to a gallon, and that's a small block. So if I can be making like four or 500 pound feet of torque and just do burnouts the whole way to work... <laughs> And I mean, you might not get as good mileage if you're doing burnouts the whole way, but. Well, then I would get bad fuel mileage, but my fuel to RPM ratio would still be. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I mean, if the if the speedometer, if the odometer is measuring yeah. the rear wheels, you know, turning, yeah. you know, may, I don't know how that works out exactly, but. No, no, you, you nailed it. Like, my 16-mile commute to work would probably register on the odometer. It's like 40 miles. <laughs> my tire guy would love yeah. me. Like, we carry work three times a week. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, I think, Connor, you were, I forget if this was on our, um, if we were talking in, in on the recording or if this was on social media, you were talking about how, like, 
stealing tires is green or something because they're going to throw them away anyways. Yes. Well, yeah. So I don't know if that was on recording or not. I did make a meme on uh, that I shared in some of our accounts um, that, you know, most of these tire shops and dealerships, they get, you know, they get charged to recycle those tires. Um, so a lot of them don't want to, like, sell it to you necessarily, or they're, but they're used. And you go, yes, I, I understand, but I, I want to buy it. That's a whole thing. But if you go at not again, this is a disclaimer. Do this at your own risk. Blah 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 blah. Um, but if you go at night and you pick through their dumpsters, um, a lot of people will get rid of like perfectly good tires. Um, and then I mean, they're they're going to. I mean, they're they're being wasted anyway. So like, if you can get a little more life out of them, it, it is more green, you know. So I for a long time I didn't buy new tires at all. Um, on the on the Nissan, it was always just uh, I'd have like new tires that I got once for the for the fronts, uh, and after that, and everything I got was just like free free used tires, or that I bought but like super cheap because um, sometimes I come across I'm needing tires like I do I come across good deals on used tires more often than the average person basically. But I'm pretty good at finding used tires, but I also have everything I own runs 15 inch rims and that's just getting harder and harder to find. So yeah, yeah. that's definitely getting, getting tough for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm running 18s, so I can find that at pretty much every dealership I go to for any car will run those. Yeah. And I'm thinking that my Cutlass either needs 17 inch rims for performance or 30 inch rims for a <laughs> There you go. My uh, my MR2 has 14-inch t- uh, wheels, and it's it's a little bit hard to find tires in that size. Oh, my God, dude. I used to have 14-inch rims on my, one of my old vans, and I literally bought new rims because once my tires were done, it was cheaper for me to buy new rims and tires than it was for me to buy another set of, like, tires. Because 14 inches, but they were fucking wide. Yeah. So it it was an it was like six hundred dollars for a set of tires, that wasn't anything special. It was just the only thing that the tire place had in stock. Yeah, I, last time I bought tires, it was, I mean, they're not wide or anything. I forget how wide they are on my uh, car, but they're. I got the Yokohama S Drive uh, tires, and they're they're pretty good. But uh, the the fronts are showing their age a little bit. I mean, that car, I don't know if it's the tires or the way the suspension is set up, but it tends to understeer. Uh, at the limit, which is a lot safer than oversteer, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, the front tires are getting a little worn out. My 14 inch rims were, were 14 inch rims, they were 10 or 12 inches wide. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if these are six inches wide. So they're. I, th- I think they were 10. I think I had eights up front and 10s in yeah. the back. All right, uh, do, yeah, do we want to cover some electric truck scams? Yeah, let's uh, let's let's do this. So, uh, as as we've we kind of discussed off. Uh, off recording, 
there's just like a fucking weird trend where like apparently the uh the thing to do if you want to build electric vehicles is to just make a big scam that doesn't make any electric vehicles uh it's become like this recurring weird uh financial scheme and this is probably going to be the one and only time where Tesla is the most legitimate company that we're about to discuss. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, it pains me to even have to say that, but compared to the other uh, companies mentioned, they have successfully made vehicles. <laughs> they might have bad quality control and burst into flames at random, but they at least got made. Just to like address some of the scammier parts of Tesla, though, like, First of all, they have literally made more money in the first quarter of 2021 from Bitcoin than from car sales. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Bitcoin is doing too well right now. Well, and I think part of that was because Tesla dumped all their Bitcoin recently, right? Yeah, it wasn't even... But as I understand it, Tesla dumped a lot of their Bitcoin, but not even close to all oh, of it. okay. So I'm really confused by why they did dumb shit that they knew would tank it. Yeah. Yeah, so here's, so he, like, Elon Musk kind of came out was like, oh, boo-boo, I just learned that uh, this is bad for the environment. And everyone's like, dude, you're like the main fucking yeah, guy shit. popping this shit up. How did you, you did no research at all? <laughs> that, that sounds like a, a very possible Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's going on. I mean, Elon Musk has been like, Again, enjoying the limelight. Oh, Bitcoin's great. He's been promoting it, and he's everybody's, you know, crypto daddy or whatever. And, yeah, it turns out he just doesn't know anything about it. And arguably, arguably he doesn't know anything about anything. But, you know, clearly not cryptocurrency because he had no concept of how any of it worked. And he just was like, oh, oh, maybe this isn't such a great idea. But whoopsies, I made huge decisions for this company um, based on this, and it turns out I did no research on it. Again, more, more, you know, uh, evidence that maybe companies shouldn't be run by eccentric billionaires and should instead be run by the goddamn workers, you know, in the public interest. But I digress. Yeah, I, I don't even know where to go with that, but it's. I don't know how much uh, Bitcoin they have dropped. I don't think we're going to in a few months until the next public financial disclosures come out um so kind of you know we'll be keeping an eye on that for sure um because we, we we're not going to know what their actual transactions were until the time at which they actually have to report it so right now they're we know they're holding on to some we have no idea how much or i at least i don't maybe maybe it has been disclosed but i didn't see anything yet but yeah so they it took a hit, but I would be shocked. Um, I would be shocked if they didn't sell a bunch of that Bitcoin before Elon Musk said shit that would would tank it. Yeah, I just looked it up. Uh, Tesla has made well, they uh, they sold two hundred and seventy-two million dollars worth of Bitcoin this year. So that was one hundred and seventy-one million that they paid for it, and so they profited one hundred and one million. And so, and that that accounts for more than half of their income this year. Well, so I thought they had um, recently purchased in the first quarter. I thought they made a purchase of one point five uh, billion. I thought. 
uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, so that's a... I So, yeah, I think that might just be, like, how much they've sold or whatever. I'm not... Like I said, I'm not sure until the full financial disclosures come out, but they... It was the last quarter, the last quarter of 2020, or the first quarter of 2021. Um, they made that huge 1.5 billion dollar purchase, uh, and they did make a bunch of money on that because Bitcoin went through the roof after that. The what we don't know yet, or at least what I don't know yet, is that 1.5 billion we know made a huge profit. It, it was worth, you know, at least two and a half, maybe three billion. What we don't know is sell a big chunk of that before Elon Musk inked it, or did they do the quote-unquote ethical thing and hang on to it when they tanked it? I don't know. They might have sold a bunch, and we'll know in a few months, and I'm sure it won't be reported accurately um, as to the motivations, but we'll, what we'll be waiting to see is, did they sell a bunch, tank it, and then buy more? Because if they were really trying to do the like, financial scam kind of thing, this would be a traditional pump and dump. Um, so they may have done okay, that. Okay, so they, they made the $1.5 billion purchase in January. Okay. So uh, the, the numbers wouldn't, like, they definitely have not sold all of it. And that purchase was made before they yeah, Well, yeah, so I knew that the purchase was made. So, like I said, we don't know how much they've sold yet, but at some point in the next few months, that will become public knowledge, I believe. So we'll see. But it's very yeah. scammy, for so sure. The wild thing here is, is it, so that half, like approximately probably 50 to 60% of their income for this year has been from selling Bitcoin. Yet somehow they are the most highly valued car manufacturer in the world. Their market valuation is bigger than I think the all all big of the um, big three together. But like, pick any three car manufacturers, and Tesla is valued higher. Specifically, in January of 2020, their market cap was 86.1 billion dollars, and by the end of the year, it was it had gone up seven times. Get out. I don't have the specific number for it, but multiply seven by 86, and that's how many billion dollars fucking Tesla's worth right now. I'm showing a current market cap of $577.08 billion <laughs> as of this moment that's right now. Crazy. Yeah. That's absurd. So that And they make way, few, uh, way fewer cars than anyone else. It's not even close. They're barely a car brand. They're, they're a, a lifestyle brand. They're, they're just a... <laughs> They're just a ridiculously overpriced meme page, essentially. <laughs> so, so here's a, here's a quote from a, a a website that I would I would suspect is highly reliable in in relation to their attitude towards Teslas, given that the the name is Teslarati.com. <laughs> uh, they have to say the stock's value has inflated primarily due to Tesla's technological developments, improvement in battery capabilities production efficiencies, and delivery figures that have managed to outperform Wall Street's estimations. A sentence that I cannot find even one hint of truth in. <laughs> <laughs> their, their, their delivery figures are outperforming Wall Street estimations? Was Wall Street's estimation that they weren't going to deliver any cars? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
we're 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 actually pretty not here to to discuss Tesla today. Like as much as we love hating on them, we've we've got some bigger scams to Hold cover. Hold on, Brandon. Before we leave Tesla, before, I have one more thing to add because I gotta take one more shot at them before we leave behind for this episode. So yeah, sorry, we're piling on here. It's 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 happening. It, they're a scam too. <laughs> the disclaimer: That's don't sue us. It's not a scam. <laughs> It's totally a <laughs> um, For legal purposes, this is parody. Yes. Yeah, parody. Um, so, you know, obviously this first quarter, they made more money doing financial manipulation um, with cryptocurrency than they did making actual fucking cars and shit. Um, previously in 2020, at least one quarter, but I believe amongst a few quarters, I, I would articles that what was really keeping them afloat was the fact that they were selling like a carbon credit kind of thing to other car manufacturers who did not have as many electric vehicles on the road, which for most of them, they had like one, maybe two. Um, and so what was happening is there's whatever program that those car companies have to purchase these carbon credits, which are being sold by Tesla. So the only thing that was keeping their profits in the fucking like uh, above water um, because they weren't selling fucking cars. We all know that. Um, they were falling flat on producing actual shit. So this nifty little government program, they were getting to sell imaginary credits to the other car companies. Um, which, whatever, I mean, that's incentivizing, theoretically, electric cars, whatever. whatever. But that thing that is currently keeping Tesla afloat, aside from you know, Bitcoin, which I wouldn't want that to be keeping me afloat. Aside from that, this carbon credit thing is going to go away since pretty much every car manufacturer is working on putting out a lot of electric vehicles in the very near future. So if Tesla doesn't figure out a way to fucking make money without that, they're fucked, which I think is very funny. Oh my God, so I, I just looked it up, and yeah... Uh... Bitcoin sales accounted for more than half of their income, and of the remaining half, a big chunk of that is selling carbon credits. Yep. yep. They're not. Even, yeah, they're not a fucking car company. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm sold on Tesla. How do I get on the board making? Making a living selling literally nothing to rich people. <laughs> Actually, Elon Musk, get in touch with me. I will sell you absolutely nothing for $100 million. <laughs> but for anyone else, I'd sell them nothing for $150 million. So this is a steal, man. Get at me. I actually think that's really fair because, like, see, like, Tesla gets to sell these carbon credits because they're not putting these, like, gas vehicles on the road. I am also not putting gas vehicles on the road. How many credits do I have to sell? I would like to sell them, please. If any listeners would like to buy my carbon credits, there's my, I have a new limited run of Connor credits uh, that you can buy. Just hit us up on our social media. Um, I, I'm currently I'm running a special on them, so they're one seventy nine ninety nine uh, per credit. So get at me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, take every, I'll take everything you got. Cool. I think we've I just kind of stumbled upon the absurdity of currency and how it's just like a, you know, a, a shared hallucination that we all have. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, so, yeah. you know, if we can get enough of you guys to to believe that Connor credits have value, then they do. Hey, this could be a path to revolution right here. We make a new... <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, uh, I I was also going to bring up the, the carbon credit thing. So, Connor, you said it better than I could, but uh, oh, y'all reminded me of... Of, no, no, it's good. Uh, y'all reminded me of something else I saw. Uh, I have this headline here. Italian artist sells invisible sculpture for more than $18,000. I was literally thinking of exactly that story <laughs> while we were talking about the carbon credits. <laughs> oh, okay, I've, I've got... I'm going to start selling my personal carbon credits in the form of NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the world. <laughs> oh, Dude, capitalism is like the most rational system ever, guys. It's, <laughs> it's so great. Uh, I'm going to start talking about workhorse now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Remember how we're I'm, I'm trying to not have an aneurysm while recording. Uh, no, uh, so I, I wanted to cover workhorse group, but really, as far as scammy things go, they're really not the worst. Um, they are kind of more of a model of like the volatility of some of these places. They've been around for a little bit. And as best as I can tell, uh, it was founded by Steve Burns, who we will get to here in a little bit as the, uh, the future founder of Lordstown Motors. Uh, he was the founder and CEO. Um, they actually did make vehicles. They, they took the, the GM P10, like delivery truck platform, and I didn't go to in depth in the research they, they were making some sort of delivery vehicles uh they were basically just buying engines and, and uh rolling chassis and stuff from different manufacturers putting it all together and, and selling uh these vehicles for specific purposes but if you've heard of work of workhorse group it's probably because they were the company that barely, like as, as i vaguely recall narrowly missed out on the ups truck bid the usps uh, earlier this but wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry. US. Yeah, and we might do an episode um, on that in the future. Um, uh, just that whole postal vehicle thing is a little bit interesting. I know it's kind of old news, but I remember there was some, like I read some stuff that seemed sort of suspicious and didn't add up, but I don't remember the ins and outs of it, and I didn't look into it too in depth. So I don't right, know. yeah. I mean, but, any any sort of government bid, there's going to be some shady business going on. I think, but I don't know. The, like. Ever since they lost the USPS bid, their stock has just gone fucking wild. Um, it has days where it like doubles and triples and then just will tank. And I, I didn't write down the specifics because I don't think anybody really wants to listen to me mention what specific dates these stocks went up and down. But it's been all the fuck over the place ever since they lost the USPS bid. Uh mm. And as far as I can tell, like, I don't even know if they're currently producing any vehicles right now. But the, the main reason, that's pretty much all I've got to say about Workhorse Group. The main reason I bring them up is because when I was reading up on this, I found out that uh, the Lordstown plant that's uh, being reopened by Lordstown Motors, which for background is an old GM plant uh, that closed down, I can't remember, 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, in Lordstown, Ohio, about 45 minutes from me, uh, maybe an hour, I don't remember. But yeah, uh, Workhorse Group bought that plant and 
owns that land. And I, I, I don't know right now if Lordstown Motors is like subletting it or purchased it from them or what. But Steve Burns, who founded Workhorse Group and was the CEO for a long time, got pushed out. Like, uh, as I re recall, he was basically given the option to resign so that he didn't get fired. And the reasoning stated was that he was bad with money. He was just investing in really dumb shit or like, not like investing, investing, like uh, putting money into R&D on like worthless uh, uh, things. And he was just never met production goals. So the, he was the head of this car company and he was very bad at his job. So logically... He started a car company after he left there. Uh, and and just for the listener, just to be clear, we're not talking about Steve from Blue's Clues. That's a different Steve Burns. Uh, just happens to have the same exact name. I, I hope that it comes out in the future here that it's actually the same Steve Burns. <laughs> like this, this, I hope that we find out about a seedy underbelly of the Blue's Clues world. <laughs> uh, okay, so... I, I, I want to go ahead and talk about Nicola because I think this one's the most entertaining. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get to, to the Lordstown stuff after this. But Nicola is just fucking wild. First off, uh, they were, I can't even remember what they were in founding, but they've gone back and forth so many times between being, uh, make, they were going to make trucks that were hydrogen powered and then electric, and then natural gas, and then like hydrogen electric hybrids, and then back to electric. Like they've gone back and forth. And to my knowledge, they're still saying that they're going to be making electric and uh, hydrogen electric hybrids, which is an impressive uh, claim when you can't even make one thing, but you're claiming you're going to do twice yeah. that. <laughs> and one, uh, so I mean, just. In case you think we're being too critical, um, the Hindenburg Research uh, Group called this company intricate fraud. So it's not just us saying this stuff. I do, I do have a lot of information that came from Hindenburg Research because they they were one of, one of, if not the first place to really out Nikola as just insanely scammy. The, this, okay... I don't, this is like uh, kind of finance wonk shit. I, I, I'll, I'll say what I know, but Nikola went public by SPAC. It was a, a special public uh, acquisition something? I don't, I don't remember. I, I know just enough about SPACs to describe it incorrectly. Yeah, um, I, know, um, I know Trash Future Podcast has talked about that a lot. And they have, they, they, they know more about the financial side of things. So, um what I do know about SPACs is that uh, not every SPAC is a scam, but every scam starts <laughs> off as a SPAC. Yeah. I, my understanding is that it's basically a way to take a company public without as much oversight as you would normally with an IPO. Yeah. Like there's some weird specifics where like, it kind of seems like uh, a weird investment thing where, you know, I'm not even gonna fucking try. Look, if you if you hear this about SPACs, look it up. Uh, the um, the top result in Google uh, says that they're also known as blank check companies. If that tells you anything, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's fine. It's all fine. 
Yeah, because they really liked the movie Blank Check. It was a solid movie. <laughs> <laughs> so to give you an idea of, of, of Nicola, in June of 2020, they had a valuation of $28.799 billion. <laughs> higher than Ford. <laughs> And this was a company that, to this day, has never produced a vehicle. Yeah, I love capitalism uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like the same way I like an Adam Sandler movie, I like capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> so not it's all, it's yeah. hurting me, but I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd say Adam Sandler. I'd say maybe Tommy Wiseau, but never mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. You know, it's hard to even say where to start with Nicola because there's so much legit, like financial scam stuff going on, but also just so many wild ass, insane things that they've done and tried to pass it off as normal. Basically, the company was like they got all of their funding because you know you you, you go to uh, I don't I don't remember who a lot of their uh, investors were, but let's let's say that they were partnered with. They were partnered with one of the. I, th- I think it was GM. I was it I'm pretty GM? sure? Yeah, GM making a lot of really reasonable, solid financial decisions. So that sounds right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, G- GM. I think you're right. Nikola went to GM and said, "Like, hey, we're partnered with Bosch and all of these other like battery manufacturers. We've got all of their technology. They're financially backing us, and uh, we're you know they had the rights to use a bunch of of their stuff." And so they take all that to GM and GM's like, okay, sounds like you guys have a solid plan. We got your back. Here's some money. And then Nikola takes uh, that money from GM and then they go to Bosch and all of these other companies that they have claimed are backing them and say, hey, we've got the backing of GM. Why don't you let us use your batteries and shit like that? So, so they're just- That's, a po- that's, that's like yeah. a Ponzi scheme by definition. But- it's, it's not exactly because they're- that's element of a they Ponzi all, scheme, it, I should say. Oh, 100%. But in theory, they were doing this to get investors so that they could manufacture a product. Big fucking emphasis on in theory. Um, yeah, like they, they were claiming that they were uh, using uh, power cells from a Volvo spinoff called Power Cell AB, um, which they weren't and... That was like not a fucking scam. Oh yeah, I, I found it here in my notes. They absolutely are partnered with GM. They're still using GM's uh, te- like battery technology. Like they don't have their own anything really. <laughs> Dude, here's another wild one. Their their basis for like all of the numbers that they're putting out for like efficiency and cost of operation and stuff for these trucks is based on a decrease in the price of hydrogen by 81%. <laughs> now, they're saying that they're going to build up this infrastructure so that they can bring the prices down. They made that claim having never come close to that or any other number because they've never m- m- started manufacturing hydrogen. So they basically said they were going to reduce the prices by 81% and everybody else was like, yeah, sounds good. We have no reason. We have no reason to doubt you. We haven't looked into any of the other lies you've told us. So this sounds solid. So, so that was just through distribution. They were claiming to get that savings. They weren't like 
they didn't have like some secret dead lithium crystals to make hydrogen for cheaper or something? I think it was a little bit of everything. Okay. Uh, I think that they were going to try and like make the uh, the technology to produce hydrogen more efficient and, you know, develop a distribution network where it would be more efficient and, and expensive to produce it. But then what they actually did was nothing. Yeah. Uh, nothing at all. Uh, oh, as uh, also interesting, uh, the CEO appointed his brother... Uh, as the director of hydrogen production and infrastructure to help develop that uh, price reduction of 80%. Um, his brother's previous work history uh, was mostly pouring concrete <laughs> and doing that work. Now, I think we're obviously not shitting on a blue-collar laborer right here, but I would question someone's credentials going from uh, a concrete guy to director of hydrogen production. <laughs> Yeah, there's not, there's not. I don't think hydrogen is involved at all with, uh, with making concrete. So, I mean, you gotta put water in the concrete. Water oh, is yeah. H two O. There you go. Da Boom! Damn it! Perfect. I forgot. He's You're so right. qualified. Water, water has twice as much hydrogen in it as oxygen. So. There you go. Yeah, he's double I stand qualified. Corrected. <laughs> uh, dude, uh, from Hind this is from Hindenburg Research in October two thousand nineteen. Nikola announced it would revolutionize the battery industry. This was to be done through a pending acquisition, but the deal fell through when Nikola realized the technology was complete vaporware. And the president of the battery company had been indicted months earlier over allegations that he had conned NASA by using his expense account to procure numerous prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's, it's, it's just scams all the way down, because that was not... That wasn't Nikola. That was their battery manufacturer. Uh, that's some poetic justice right there, I think. <laughs> so, so, some of, like, the insane things that they have done over the years, and, like, oh, I, I, I forgot, just for clarification's sake, Nikola is trying to both make, like, trucks as in pickups and trucks as in, like, semis. They are, like, they were putting out somewhere that they were were produce where they were going to be producing a, a semi truck that was getting like an eight hundred mile range between electric and hydrogen uh, capacities. I they've never done that. They've never like they might have built some of these trucks. I don't know that any of them have ever run. Um, but a couple of like the promotional things that they've done that I, I really enjoy is uh, they they did a demo at an event where they ran one of their trucks at the event and had basically run an extension cord to it to power because it couldn't run under its own power. It, it didn't have an operational like battery system. So they just ran a, like wiring to it from like outside and demonstrated that it worked doing that. You know, on second thought, I think that concrete guy is overqualified for this company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he, he's probably the one who mastered the extension cord technology. Yeah. Th this car is just going to be powered by, like, uh, drills and, like, circular saws and shit like that. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee is going to start producing these trucks. Okay, but, th but there's one better than, than him running an extension cord to the truck to make it work. No, uh, Nikola actually did release a video of one of their trucks running. 
I say running very loosely. It was, you know, a video of it moving down the highway. Um, and this is, I, I think that the one who outed them for this was the Hindenburg research guy. Uh, it turns out that the way that they had made that video was by towing the truck to the top of a mountain and rolling it downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then also, didn't they, uh, when they got, someone pointed this out, they, um, they used a DMCA takedown thing to get his video taken off YouTube. Dude, this is my favorite thing. They got called out for doing that. Like, it became public knowledge that the only reason that this had run was because they had pushed it downhill. And guess what Nicola's response was? They said that they never claimed in that video that the vehicle was running under its own power. <laughs> <laughs> they could have pushed a fucking wagon down the goddamn mountain. <laughs> they live in a world where they have to, they don't feel like you need to be clear <laughs> that the vehicle you're promoting does not run under its own power. <laughs> I mean, most most transportation in the U.S. for long haul trucks is just you know, just starting at the top of a big hill, and getting as far as you can go. Right? That's that's how it goes. This is just an elaborate physics experiment where they're somehow creating a hill that goes downhill both ways. Yeah. <laughs> they're basically they're trying to invent a warp drive, like like you don't know how to like an alter reality. <laughs> we. I have an idea. We need to we need to take this podcast public with a spec, uh, and we'll we'll get this the stock you know valued at whatever and make billions of dollars and you know we'll just we'll just say that we have like you know uh, ten million listeners uh, and and you know no no one will check up on that I'm sure right that's that seems to be how it works yeah it, and. It, if one of us can be charismatic enough to like a trademark a fucking a random word uh, like car, um, and then we go like, yeah, we're the we're we car or something or I car, and then we could just we could just be a podcast that also would talk about this electric vehicle that we're building, but it's also sort of a spaceship, so like it could leave the road and go into space, so like we'll have that. We'll beat Elon Musk into space. We'll beat Elon in cars, and we don't have to produce anything. I think yeah. we can do it. We'll, we'll uh, it'll be powered by a perpetual motion machine too, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, this this makes me almost wish that I had like lived my life differently. Not not because like I strive for success, but so much of this just makes me realize that if I didn't just look obviously white trash at a glance. Like, if I could clean up better, like, I could probably just get banks to give me billions of dollars. Like, it's all in appearances. Like, if you just put on a nice suit and go in and tell them you got a plan, apparently people just shovel no, money. No, So here's the thing. If rich people go and do that, then banks will give them money. You or I, no, no, no. They will check your account and be like, excuse me, sir, you have no money. It worked <laughs> when Elon Musk, the son of, uh, you know people who own emerald mines says he's got a fucking idea the bank will give him money uh or, or you know for for this clown who was the ceo of another company that didn't produce anything he was the ceo he's got that on his resume bank will give him some money uh, you or me i don't think it works that way 
I'm I'm willing to try, or I would be. I feel like, again. So I, we, I visibly don't look like somebody you trust with money. Well, if we can just fabricate some like uh, credentials, so it looks like we've one of us was the CEO of some past, you know, company, and then spun off. We, we could maybe create a paper trail, but that paper trail is required. You say fabricated credentials. I say resume. <laughs> <laughs> they are we, we can uh, we can hire Steve from Blues Clues to be our CEO. <laughs> <laughs> we just got a letter. <laughs> it's another lawsuit. <laughs> but that is hundred percent a real plan. We we do an electric startup, like an electric truck startup. Tell them we've got Steve Burns on our side, and they will not do the research to make sure that we are not talking about the guy from Blues Clues. <laughs> uh sorry sorry to derail the conversation but um another thing have you guys seen um there's that art i don't know what you would call it art group or art collective called the yes men who do shit like this i know you're talking about yeah like they um they pretended to be uh representatives from bp and um like got on the news and said that they were um apologizing and giving reparations to the victims of the Bhopal disaster and then like tanked the stock for BP for like a couple months. <laughs> okay. That's a hundred fucking 10% what I mean though. Like they were just confidence men yeah. and like all you've got to do is like clean up nice and speak confidently and people were like, Oh, well this seems legit. <laughs> <laughs> just have a fake LinkedIn profile or whatever. And yeah. Like, oh, I don't have enough money to pretend I'm rich. Well, then I'll just short sell a bunch of BP and then fake my way onto TV to apologize for a fucking disaster or something and tank the fucking stock. Like, it's so much easier to make money when you don't have morals. <laughs> well, I, I think they were doing it more as an activist thing than for making money. But oh, 100% they were. Yeah. But, like, they also, I don't think, made money off of it in the in investment way. They tanked... Uh, uh, that stock without having like trying to make money off of it. I think I'm saying that it only takes a couple of tweaks to make money off of that. Okay. So, uh, that's, I, I know that's not like the best, like deep dive of Nicola, but that's, that's what we're going to cover for today. Cause any one of these companies could just deserve their whole own fucking episode. Um, but now we're going to kind of get to the one that's uh, near and dear to my heart, Lordstown Motors. And when I say near and dear to my heart, I don't just mean I'm fucking interested in it. I mean, I'm making parts for them at work. <laughs> my, my shop has been uh, uh, contracted to build dies for the electric motors that go on the uh, wheels of their trucks. And I really hope no one from my work ever comes across this show because if we're being honest... I got a good sense that it was a scam as soon as they picked my shop to do the work. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of, and like, I'm not just shitting on my work. I'm like, there was a point in time where my shop would have been highly qualified to do this sort of work, but we've lost a lot of those employees to retirement and just generally shitty like management and stuff. And I think it was pretty bold of any of the Lordstown execs to come to my shop, look around and say, yes, in the present state, this place looks qualified to make parts 
for these millions of vehicles that we're going to be producing. <laughs> uh, we're doing a pretty good job, but we're, we're absolutely fucking behind. Again, this isn't purely me shitting on my fucking work. We're understaffed right now and being tasked with building all of these fucking dyes. And uh, we're just understaffed and there's basically no fucking way that we can meet the deadline that they've given us. We're working like hell doing it, but it's just not going to happen, I don't think. Yeah. So, red flag from from the go, but, you know, it, that could be an honest thing. In, in a lot of ways, we are qualified to do the work. It just, I'm surprised that we got it. And and um, they're another company that I believe went public through a SPAC. Uh, that, that, yeah, that was literally what I was, was about to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, earlier, you know, we were talking about Steve Burns, the founder of Workhorse. Just a quick rundown on his work history. I want to say before, he's been involved in, I think, four or five startups. Uh, the only one that didn't fail was Workhorse. And, you know, give that one a little bit of time. And that was the one that instead of failing, they forced him out. Steve Burns is the founder of the Lordstown plant. Um Again, I'm not sure if he got the, the factory from Workhorse or if it's being sublet or, or what. Workhorse is currently a 10% invest. Like, they have a 10% share of Lords of the Lordstown Motors plant. So these people said to Steve Burns, you have to leave here because you're bad with money and you're bad at deadlines. And he says, okay, I'm going to go start my own thing. Can you guys give me some money to, to get me started? And they say, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's, that's, the, that's the most interesting part of this. I don't understand how you square those, uh, those two things. They literally said, you have to leave because you're bad with money. And he said, yeah, good point. Can I have some more money? And they said, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. All right. I, I part of me wonders if he's got some like info on somebody there, like the, right. I mean, come on. He's got to know somebody's got a weird habit or something. Well, yeah, but he, they probably got info on him too. Well, I think also uh, like this, the Lordstown plant. It's a former GM plant. I think it's near Columbus, Ohio, right? It's in Youngstown, Ohio. It's actually closer to me than Columbus. Oh, okay, excuse me. Um, and uh, I mean that. I don't know when that uh, plant was closed, um, but it was, you know, left vacant for a good long while until they moved in. Um, so I imagine part of it was, uh, you know, like maybe tax breaks or investment from the local government. I should probably have checked that before I just speculate. But I believe I remember hearing uh, about that. Oh, I I'm sure. Like, that's that sort of stuff always happens. Yeah. Um so I, I want to say that the, the, the Lordstown plant was, was closed for about 10 years before they came in. And one thing I will say is, like, yeah, the for, for background, the Lord, the, the GM Lordstown plant uh, was in operation until I think about 10 years ago. And it was, I don't really know why they closed it. I didn't think to uh, bother looking that up. But it was a, a pretty big GM plant. I forget what car it was that they made there. But, um, I mean, that, that was large plant it says uh the vega monza cavalier cobalt cruise uh and the cruise that was, that was the big one that was like making them a lot of money from what i've yeah read. and then also uh chevy and gmc vans 
Um, and then they had a, a strike there in 72, uh, which I believe caused the uh, the plant to close for a while, and then they reopened it later. Yeah, so that's, that's where they're working out of right now. And I've heard a lot of criticisms about how, like, you know, they're not going to be able to get it back up and running. And like, basically this whole thing is obviously a scam because the plant's going to be like too far gone or whatever. And I think that's pretty wildly unfair. Like it's, you can absolutely like rehab these facilities and like retrofit them to, to make other things. Yeah. But that's not, um, that's not as profitable. I mean, well, I mean, that's, I'm curious why we're doing machine work and stamping work for them in my shop while they're supposed to be getting all this other stuff, except, and I, I, I don't know that this is what they're doing, although it is a common tactic with uh, car companies, is when you outsource certain parts to be made like by a third party, you can sometimes get them a lot cheaper because, for example, if the Lordstown plant is, falls under the purview of, uh, like if it is unionized and is with the uh, UAW, then they'll be paying union wages, union benefits, et cetera, et cetera. My shop is not union. So when they outsource work to us, they might be able to get it cheaper because they don't have like union shit to deal with. They can like circumvent contracts, stuff like that. And it's just a shitty, like kind of union busting tactic. That's a pretty well established in the automotive industry. It has decades of history with all of the American manufacturers doing that shit. Actually, I'm, I'm often surprised that uh, <clears throat> some of the unions haven't put more of an effort into um, unionizing those non-union shops. So I feel like they are... I don't know how, how much uh, luck they've had, but, like, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if you're interested, go back and, and check out our uh, Dodge Revolutionary Union Movement episode. That, that was an organization that one of, one of the problems that they had was outsourcing work to third parties that were non-union labor. Yeah. That was a, a thing that they wanted to combat. I don't know that it was something that the union ever, ever actually took up sincerely, but there have been people in the union in the past who very specifically had a problem with that behavior. Uh, so another thing, like but just besides uh, going public by SPAC, there's another thing that Lordstown has in common with Nicola and that's that they got fucking shafted really hard by Hindenburg Research. <laughs> um, Lordstown went public in October of 2020. And in that time, like that's what, eight months ago, the board of directors and the executives have unloaded $28 million in stock since then. Oh boy. I, a direct, direct quote from Hindenburg. We think it bodes poorly when executives unload stock in a company with no actual product that claims to be on the cusp of mass production. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, all, all right. Now, I'm going to give you guys a, a choice here. Do you want to hear about the hilarious scam that has just resulted in them getting just the ever-loving shit suit out of them? Or do you want to hear about their uh, luck-producing vehicles so far first? Let's hear about their, I mean, let's start with their current, you know, production woes, because I feel like that's more related to, like, the base, like, who they are and the real, the quote-unquote real economy here, not the the financial wizardry. 
what, how have they been at the actual production? Okay, I don't remember. Also, wait, hold on. Can I point out? They're called Wardstown Motors, right? Yeah. So they named their entire fucking brand off of the old plant they bought for a car company that presumably, if it grows to match their fucking market cap, um, will have plants all over the fucking place. And they named it off the, like, it just seems weird. You know what I mean? I 100% agree. I honestly think it's sort of a throwback, like, we're going to bring manufacturing back sort of thing because the Lordstown plant's like like well-known amongst yeah. like uh, uh, automotive manufacturing circles. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's known to be like a big job kind of place. I think that there's like a nostalgia is not the right word. I think that they're trying to appeal to a sense of like bringing manufacturing back to America sort of, sort of thing. Um, I was just going to say they will probably offshore jobs themselves the first chance they fucking get. Well, I mean, they're already outsourcing production to Brandon's shop, so they're not even <laughs> producing shit in the Lordstown plant currently. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they have, they have at least made a couple of prototypes. And since, since Connor wants to hear about their actually, like, rubber-on-the-road manufacturing luck, we're, let's, let's do that. Well, I was going to say real quick, uh, you know... A lot of these electric car companies are taking all over old, um, you know, big three automaker plants. Like the Tesla plant is the old uh, Numi plant that uh, made like the Pontiac Vibe and Toyota Matrix back in the day. Um, and then the Rivian uh, bought the plant in Illinois, I believe, that made uh, Mitsubishi's and um, uh, what's it? Other Dodge, uh, you know. Uh, branded cars so i i think there's it's it's a kind of a business model where they're like we're gonna reinvest in these like rust belt closed down industrial cities and and you know everyone's gonna get all excited to yeah build our plant here you know mm, uh, yeah or take over this old plant or whatever i don't know it's it's a it's a common feature in all these business models I mean, there's an extent to where it, it makes logical sense because if there's a pre-existing manufacturing facility, like you're going to be able to get that cheaper than you would be able to construct a new one. Right. Um, especially because uh, GM is has significantly invested in Lordstown. Um, that will play a role in me mentioning uh, their multiple lawsuits that they're dealing with right now. Right. But they, they've basically been doing a lot of confidence scams in the same vein as Nicola saying like, Oh, uh, you know, person A is invested in us, so you should too. And then go to person A as like, well, actually, person B is invested in us, so you should too. Like mm -hmm. that, that sort of game. But uh, so I don't remember when their actual uh, stated goal was for releasing their first prototype, but they missed that by I think several months. But in January of this year, they were able to release their first functional prototype, and this they didn't have any sort of like weird like. It's plugged into a secret outlet. They didn't have to push it downhill. It just went under its own power with no help from anything else for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, did you say it caught fire? Yes, after 10 minutes. Uh, actually, for, for clarification, I don't know how many prototypes they've actually made. That was their first road test. Uh -huh. It burst into flames after 10 minutes. 
So, uh, you know, and an auspicious start, but that that doesn't mean that they can't continue moving forward. You know, you that's research and development, man. You keep growing, you move, you you you, you improve, you find out why that fire started, and you you fix that, and eventually you've got maybe a car that could say run the San Felipe 250, which is uh, like a, 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 a race. And, you know, so, so they, they, they entered a truck into that race. It's uh, for, because it's funny. The name of this truck is the endurance. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it did not finish the race, but it also didn't catch on fire. Uh, it made it 40 miles before they basically just quit because they realized that they had grossly underestimated how much energy it was going to take to do an off-road race. <laughs> and I, I think that they were saying that they were expecting it, uh, like their first like recharge to have to take place after like 60 or 70 miles, and they made it 40. <laughs> and yeah, just, just decided that, uh, no, that we're too dumb for this. Fuck it. I mean, it didn't stop them from making promo videos about them competing in this race. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen the promo videos. <laughs> yeah, I just I just looked it up and I found uh, found one of theirs on YouTube. I haven't watched it yet, though. Oh, by the way, aren't they supposed to be um, like have hub motors on their on that truck? Oh yeah, we uh, I I forgot. To that in my notes. Yeah, uh, so that's worth discussing. I'm looking at um, a picture of it. I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and it it sure looks like they have a drive shaft going to the front tire. Uh, that might be a tie rod. I can't quite tell from this picture, but no, a hundred percent. There, uh, I don't know enough about this to provide a genuine criticism, or like, if I try and make fun of it, I'm probably just going to be making fun of like the actual weird aspects of it that maybe do work. But uh, here's what I do know about it. Instead of like going with a system like every other electric car manufacturer is doing, where it's like a central like battery system and that runs to like a drive shaft or, or whatever like propulsion system they want to go with, yeah, these have hub-mounted motors. So each wheel has a motor mounted directly to the wheel. It's all unsprung weight. And yeah, I I don't think. It's a stretch to say that sounds like a bad idea. I know that there's been a lot of criticism from like various uh, uh, outlets saying that this is actively a bad idea. Um, a lot of people have abandoned this type of system because in addition to increasing the unsprung weight of the vehicle, you have all of your electric motors that are not like cushioned by suspension. Yeah. They're mounted directly to the wheel, so they're going to have... I don't know. It seems like they're going to be a lot more likely to get damaged from road debris or like, I don't know, fucking anything. Yeah, just dust, dirt, water, whatever, you know. Um, yeah, the actual parts that we're making it work are part of the uh, the hub motors. Yeah, and, and you know, for the listener, if you don't know, like unsprung weight is just anything, any weight that's, that's not... Um, attached to the actual oh. chassis of the car. It's, you know, attached to the wheel or the, you know, the suspension part that, you know, that doesn't move with the body, that, that moves independent of the body. So, like, um, and a reason why that's bad is, like, just um, just physics, just inertia. 
you don't want to have um, you want that all to be as light as possible so it can move easily so your suspension can move up and down because if it's if it's heavy it's gonna resist that motion you know what what's the what Newton's whatever law you know inertia um, so like and especially if it's rotating that's gonna be rotational inertia it's gonna it's gonna be like a big flywheel uh, it's gonna resist turning so like if your front wheel is heavier or a bigger diameter it's gonna resist turning um, you know when you're cornering um, so like I don't know if you've the the practical application of this is like if you've ever ridden in a car that someone switched it out to have like those big ass heavy chrome wheels like i don't know 26 inch chrome wheels or whatever it's going to handle like shit every time you go over a bump you're going to feel it a lot more um it's not going to be able to turn as easily it's going to get worse Listen, it doesn't matter how how shitty it rides when you look that good yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what i'm saying it's it's not good for like sports cars uh it's yeah, it's not, or or off road racing for that matter. If you're going over big bumps. Oh man, I uh, I recently learned of the existence of the big. We- There's like a big wheel racing league, and it's an all drag racing league for donks. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> oh. I, that total aside, but I got. Uh, I think we've established my love for donks on this show, <laughs> and to know that there's now a whole league for race for drag racing donks, I'm fucking in love. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of cool. I mean, like it's t- it's just total overkill because, like, with drag racing, you want to have that that wheel tire combination as light as possible so it spins up quickly. You know, well, not even just that. Like, uh, your tires are so important in drag racing because, like, if you like, if you n- ever look at drag racing tires, the the, the sidewall, like, it, they're they're really large and they're designed in a specific way to help you hook up on a on a hard launch. And donks just don't have any of that. Right, yeah. And I imagine it's hard to find tires with the right compound in that size. You know, uh, but, like, the, part of the reason I respect that there's a big wheel racing league now, so like, so much, is, fuck it, man. Like, do you want to, like, run nines in a, just whatever you can put together that will run nines? Or do you want to run tens or elevens in the car that you fucking love? I know a lot of people just want to go as balls out fast as possible, but as someone who's building a van to drag race, like, no, I want to go as fast as I can while I'm in the vehicle that I love. So like donks, donk drag racing speaks to my heart. You know, I just tried looking that up and I found uh, people racing those like little kids, tricycle, big wheel things. Yeah. That's always, (laughs) that's something else entirely. (laughs) Yeah. I saw an interview with this guy who, who had a donk built for drag racing, and it was one of the first, it might have been the first donk I ever saw that somebody was actually drag racing, and it was at LS Fest, and somebody like was interviewing the guy and talking to him and saying, uh, you know, it, this is crazy, you have like a, I think it was like a, it was over a thousand horsepower mm-hmm. LS that was in it, twin turbo, and they were, and he wasn't running anything insanely fast for the amount of power he was putting out, I think he was actually in the tens. And somebody was like, don't you realize that you would have like an eight and a half second car if you just put actual tires on it? And he's like, yeah, but then I wouldn't have a donk. King shit. <laughs> and there, there was just this great, just this, it was such a great disconnect between the one guy being like, yo, your car could be so much faster. And this guy's like, yeah, but I really like my car. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, uh, 
Yeah, I'm looking at some of the pictures. These are pretty pretty crazy. I love them so much. <laughs> maybe maybe I can come up with enough stuff to do an episode on donks one day because fucking love them. But whatever. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on track here a little bit, and uh, let's uh, let's discuss some of Lordstown Motors' uh, financial woes because they are compounding. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, like. I want to do a, a full, like, in-depth episode about Lordstown later on when there's more information out. I actually waited to push for even this segment until today because two weeks ago they released their uh, quarterly financial report for the uh, first quarter of this year. Uh, but before we even get to that, um, it's worth mentioning that a couple of months ago it came out that Lordstown Motors was currently being was, – was currently – the target of four different class action lawsuits all by their investors. <laughs> now that number has gone up to five in the following months. And it really, it all ultimately boils down to one simple thing. They have lied through their fucking teeth about pre-sales. <laughs> all of their like investment and uh, investors were, were told how they had like these exorbitant amount of uh, pre-sales already. Um, and again, this a lot of this is from um, the uh, uh, the Hindenburg Research Group. They're uh, they're pretty good at talking about uh, companies going down in flames, you know. <laughs> well, like uh, the, the the Hindenburg Research Group, I think it's just one guy, or I might have just keep, like kept coming across the same guy, so I'm I'm not sure. I won't swear by that. But he, uh, he considers himself like a short sale activist, which is not, no offense to the dude. I'm sure he's fine or awful or something. I don't know. Uh, it's a dumb concept. It's, it's basically like it's, it's almost like a, a form of protest. But when you're deeply involved in capitalism and genuinely believe in its ability to support itself and make rational decisions. <laughs> so they like. It's like, yeah, it's, it's people who recognize that like, oh, this company is fucking stupid and shouldn't succeed. The market hasn't seemed to punish them, so I'll do it. I'm the market now. And it's like, no, you're not the market. You're a fucking idiot. This is how capitalism works. It's how it's always worked. This isn't new. The market actually just doesn't punish these fucking companies. So it's people trying to do what they recognize the market is not doing. Um, they just don't understand that it's because markets don't work well well like if you if you ever like a lot of libertarian shit that i've come across in the past like we talk about how like you know the need for like basically perfect information for like people to to be like well-informed actors in the system yeah and so i think this guy views himself as somebody who is bringing like actual like per like you know, quote unquote, perfect information. Like he's, he's trying to like expose this company, like for all of its, its blemishes. And you know, it's what he's doing is good. His reasoning, I find very weird and questionable, except also, uh, it, he's a short sale activist. So I'm assuming he was probably short selling, uh, Lordstown motors before he released his report that tanked their stock. Oh, mm. absolutely. <laughs> okay. Which has actually, I also feel like, to a small degree, it's weakened his efficacy because Lordstown Motors has come out uh, and basically denied a lot of his claims, saying that he's just trying to tank their stocks so that he could short sell it. Interesting. 
They, they, they have appointees. And I don't even know if they've publicly made that statement. That statement has been made in a private meeting with uh, employees at my work. Hmm. That's that's why I'm so especially fascinated by the Lordstown Motors thing is to a very small degree, I get information that isn't released to the world, so I feel special. <laughs> well, yeah, and hopefully now our listeners feel special. <laughs> I just looked it up. Uh, it's uh, The founder is uh, Nathan Anderson, and uh, it's intentionally named after the 1937 Hindenburg disaster, which they consider a man-made avoidable disaster. So they're trying to avoid disastrous capitalism, I guess, by putting out this information. I guess they're trying to stop Enron. But yeah, I, I was going to ask, like, how do they make their money? And that that short selling thing makes sense. Like, it, it doesn't seem like they're making any profits other than taking down these startups and stuff. Okay, so the the reason for these lawsuits, uh, the company has pointed to having 100,000 pre-orders on the books for the for their electric truck that they're supposed to be releasing. It turns out that when they say they have 100,000 pre-orders, that might not mean what it sounds like it means. What it actually means is they don't really have any pre-orders. <laughs> oh, yeah, wasn't it it wasn't like you had to put any money down. It was just like, "Hey, I'm interested in this" or something like that, right? I don't remember the details. No, that was Tesla, I think Tesla did that. What was no, uh, 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 Lordstown also did that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see a couple of examples. They announced a 14,000 truck deal from a company called E squared energy that was uh, representing $735 million in sales. E squared energy is based in a small residential apartment and is operated by two people <laughs> and they don't have a vehicle. <laughs> But hey, they're going places. Nowhere, nowhere but up. So wait, how did you track that down? Is, is, What's that? How did you track uh, that company down? I'm, I'm curious about that. The, the, I am relying on the work of Hindenburg Research. Okay, I'm, I'm with it. That's hysterical. Yeah, um, I, I, actually, a lot of what I'm, I'm reading right now is, is directly from them because I, I can't do any better than the work that they've done. Another thousand trucks constituting $52.5 million. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is the two-person startup. They operate out of a virtual office, and their mailing address is a UPS store. <laughs> they okay, and I quote, We spoke with the owner who acknowledged it won't actually order any vehicles, instead describing the pre-order as a mere marketing relationship. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, no, actually, what we're doing here is uh, we're a fraud company, and we're helping them to get investors through fraud. Is That's our business model. I'm going to do Wardstown Motors a favor. I will trade them, even Steven, all of my carbon credits for one of their trucks. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Carbon credits could be going up in value. This is a deal of a lifetime. Yo, Blue's Clues, get on this. <laughs> You know, I wonder if I could get carbon credits for producing ethanol when I make uh, homebrew beer. Yeah, I mean, you're look at all the money you're saving on transportation. Yeah, I'm not even like putting it in bottles or anything. You know, just putting it straight in my mouth. So, 
Uh, okay, so th this one kind of gets to the heart of it. Another company bought 500 trucks, or pre-ordered 500 trucks from Lordstown, but reported to Hindenburg Research, direct quote, the letters of interest are non-binding. It's not like you'd obligate yourself to a pre-order or that you would contractually bind yourself to buying this truck. That's not what they are. <laughs> Uh, Steve Burns has called these arrangements, quote-unquote, very serious orders. Uh, the actual customer agreements require no deposit and are non-binding. <laughs> wow. Well, Basically, they've just used all these claims of pre-orders to try and demonstrate interest and potential revenue to investors so that they can say, hey, if you give us a million dollars, we're doing all this fucking shit in you know, two years. You're, you're going to be tripling your money or whatever i don't know marketing shit oh yeah he act apparently he's he, uh okay this must have been in the works for a little while because he was doing this shit uh while he, he was starting to to push for pre-orders while he was still working for workhorse <laughs> jesus yeah he's 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 like had relationships with several people who are basically like instagram influencers but for trucks <laughs> i i uh I'm not going to look for the source on this, but I have specifically uh, read about they were at one point, yeah, paying people for every truck that they would claim that they were going to buy. Oh, my God. Sweet. I wonder if we can get yeah. in on that. Yeah. Uh, yo, Blue's Clues, I'm trying to buy $5,000 a truck. <laughs> you give you 5,000, I'm sorry, 5,000 trucks. You give me uh, shit. Bulk rate, $10 a truck. Yeah. Uh, I want my fifty thousand dollar check in the mail this week, if you don't mind. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I will say that my fifty thousand dollar check is probably going to get delayed a little bit because uh, they're not doing so hot. <laughs> I just damn. I just learned. I just learned today that they're even behind on their fucking property taxes. <laughs> uh, they owe Ohio. Uh, what was the specific number here? Man, I just had it in front of me here a second ago. Oh, five hundred and seventy thousand dollars in real estate taxes. <laughs> Jesus, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, well, they're valued at like twenty or a hundred billion dollars or whatever, so that should be no problem, right? Uh, well, <laughs> what, what we're getting. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't actually remember what their peak valuation was off the top of my head. But uh, they did release their uh, first quarter financial report a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it wasn't good. They reported, oh shit, I don't even, man, I should have fucking researched this better, or at least organized my notes better. Yeah, they reported losses in the like hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, That's they probably have, for the most successful companies these days, though. That's well, it would... You, you can attribute a lot of losses to uh, you, you can attribute a lot of losses to like R&D or like, you know, ramping up production or something like that, especially like since they haven't uh, actually, you know, produced anything yet. So it is somewhat reasonable that you would only be reporting a loss because that's like you, you don't have an income yet. You're you're still trying to, to ramp up production. Their bigger problem is that uh, I don't even remember how much the class action lawsuits are for. But again, it's five class action lawsuits to the tune of like 
tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. And between the fact that that's money that's all coming out of pocket, they're having to pay, you know, to like continue just operating. Okay, I, I found it here. Um, 2021, they are, uh, shit, I, I can't. Yeah, last year they lost $101 million. Nice. Uh, out of a, uh, okay, they're, they're still reporting. Um, okay, I'm, I'm not sure how to interpret some of these numbers that were in their actual release. But uh, yeah, they're, they're hurting. Also, they've uh, basically announced that they are scrapping a whole bunch of their production goals. <laughs> they are ex uh, currently seeking additional investment. They are um, in the due diligence stage of getting an advanced technology vehicle manufacturing loan from the government. Um, and the due diligence phase is when the, you know they're actually like being investigated and they're trying to find out if this is going to be a, a worthwhile and good company to provide a large loan to. And maybe they've got somebody on the inside, but if anyone's actually paying attention, then they are not going to clear that. <laughs> they have said that they are expecting to have vehicles in production by November, but best, in their own words, best case scenario, they're going to be at 50% of the production that they had estimated. Ouch. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah, Ouch. They're expecting their 2021 uh, expenditures to be between 250 and $275 million. And yeah, dude, I don't even know what to say. Like what places like this are able to float themselves through like just scamming people almost indefinitely. Like Nickel has been doing it for like six or seven years now. So who knows how long they're going to be able to like continue on doing this and getting away with it. I feel like Tesla did the same shit. Tesla was the same. They weren't making shit. They just kept asking for more and more money, delivered on none of the goals, kept spending, spending and spending, putting out bullshit. And every time Elon Musk would go and say, hey, look, I made another car all by myself. And then their stock would go through the roof again. It was just, they were propped up by stock price um, which a lot of these companies haven't gone public yet, but, like, he was doing the same thing. It was all a grift. Now it's by happenstance that Tesla puts together actual fucking vehicles. Like, yeah, now, now they're a Bitcoin company that also makes cars. <laughs> <laughs> and sells carbon credits. And, uh, Man, you know, mistreats their workers at their plant also. And mistreats their fucking customers because their cars are just burning people a lot. Dude, it was so horrifying to me when I realized that when the electrical shit fails, it just traps you in the car. Right, yeah. I, I can't deal with that, no. Yeah, I feel like there should be a, an obvious, um, you know, fail-safe to that. Like, the door handle, the lever inside the door, and it unlocks it. Kind of like, you know, cars. To the, you like know. a car door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they've been doing for 100 years or so you know yeah uh yeah well i guess if you're a big innovator you can't have mechanical things that can allow you to get out of the vehicle should it crash that's not futuristic enough yeah everything you know that you touch has to be mediated by a computer before it like 
actually operates anything mechanical. Well, I mean, I haven't seen any follow-ups on this. I, I think we've discussed this in a previous episode, but they're currently fate, like staring down the barrel of a pretty significant recall because, um, like, there people are having problems with the operating system in the onboard computer, yep. and it's causing problems in systems that are like actually mandated by law for them to have in the vehicle. Yep. So if it's if it's just not working when something in the computer goes wrong, then you know, that's uh, warrants a recall. Yeah. And I don't have the thing in front of me, but I forget if we talked about this before, but there was some someone who bought a secondhand Tesla with um, a certain feature. Let's say it was uh, like, I don't know, I think it was the full self-driving mode. And, you know, that's like a $5,000 option or something like that. So this guy bought it secondhand and, you know, it had the window sticker still on it. Um, the Monroe window sticker that said this car comes with full self-driving as one of the options. And then when he, you know, registered, registered it in his name and got on the road, it did not have the full self-driving feature. And so he called up Tesla and said, Hey, what's wrong? You know, this doesn't have the full self-driving. And they're like, Oh, well, we sold that feature to the first owner. We didn't <laughs> sell it to you. Oh so God. if you want the full self-driving, you're going to have to pay that $5,000 again, you know? <laughs> oh my God. So they found a way to make money on the used cars too. Oh yeah. man, that's wow. That's... So they can, they can, you know, enable or disable these options remotely with their over the air updates. Huh? You know? so, that seems like it doesn't help the consumer at all. <laughs> funny. No, that. That touches on something really dark that the economy is approaching, which is a full rentier's economy. Yes. Where you never own anything. You, you just, like, you, you, you know. We serve at the pleasure of the capitalists that we pay and then yeah. also work for. Like, <laughs> they can take it away at any minute, at any moment. And then bundle everything together, too. Oh, if you get this cable package, you'll also get full self-driving on, on your car. Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is so wild. One of the sci-fi authors I, I uh, read a lot of is uh, Cory Doctorow. And um, he has a, a novella called Unauthorized Bread, which I think you can find it for free online. I might see if I can find that and put it in the show notes. Um Oliver, I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's basically about someone whose um, toaster has DRM for bread, and you can only put certain brands of bread in it to get it to work. <laughs> um, oh, so, is this a contemporary author? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because that like I'm, I was gonna say if that if that was like made in like written like 20 or 30 years ago. Um, that guy was really forward thinking. <laughs> but um, Brandon, if you're done talking about um, uh, Lordstown, I got a couple other things, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I, this is going to be an ongoing thing. Like I said, I, I, I will probably touch base on it uh, uh, occasionally as they release more information and like we find out things. It'll probably be more of like a, a thing featured on news stories in the future. Once uh, once it gets to a certain point, I would like to do a whole episode. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I feel slightly blessed because I get a little bit of inside information here and there. But 
even even the the owner of my company's son made a joke about how his name was Steve Burns because he burns everybody that invests in him. <laughs> <laughs> the one the, the the smart thing I will say is that he they are paying upfront for the dye-in parts we are producing. So like, I talked to everybody at my work about like how this could be a potential problem, and they were like, "Yeah, we know about all of this, but you know, we're not doing this on credit." So yeah. And um, I think I mentioned before, but like the um, the podcast trash feature has done a lot of good, you know, reporting on Lordstown. They had um, what Brian Quinby from Street Fight on that episode. Um, I actually called into Street Fight a few weeks back and, and talked about Lordstown. Right. Yeah. And uh, they also they also talked about SPACs. They talked about Greensill and uh, supply chain financing. You know, they're they're mostly about like you know the the ridiculous financing part of uh, capitalism, but of course they talk about other stuff too. But what I wanted to bring up is, is something I forgot about. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Nicola that I forgot to talk about earlier. I, I had mixed up oh. the CEO of that company with the one from Lordstown, but uh, Trevor Milton is the CEO of uh, Nicola, or I believe he was uh, because he's been, accused by several people of uh, sexual assault or sexual misconduct, uh, including his cousin and also a, uh, a minor, an underage person. So uh, wow. it says that, you know, it, the article I'm reading, it says no charges have been filed at this point. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little shady um, in more ways than one. I feel like these goddamn entrepreneurs, they're all fucking sex freaks in some one way or another. Every one of yeah. them. I don't even know if it's, if it's necessarily that. I think that there's such an intense sense of entitlement that's like the world owes me. I am innovating. I should get all the money I want. And I want this girl. Why doesn't she want me? I deserve this. It's, yeah. it's just perpetual. Like, if I want it, I should have it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Which is just a roundabout way of describing a power relationship. They they are powerful, and so they don't know how to say how to accept no, whether it's uh, sex or finance or any fucking thing else. They think that they should just get whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. And the other one I was going to bring up, I, I haven't done a whole lot of research on this, so maybe we'll talk about this in a in an upcoming episode. But the Fisker Karma was a uh, sort of attempt to make a luxury. Uh, luxury hybrid electric car before, well, sort of I concurrently with that. Tesla. That years ago. Yeah, so they, they started in 2011, uh, and they got all these awards and accolades and stuff, and Top Gear said good things about them. And that was, it, it was, it had a um, two-liter GM Ecotec turbo motor, so like, what came in like certain Saab models at the time and the Saturn Sky Turbo. And it's kind of a weird looking, I don't know, it looks kind of like a, a Maserati or something. But so they made that for a couple of years and then went bust in 2012. And then they've tried to like restart the company a couple different times. I believe currently they're trying to sell it as the Karma Rivero. Uh, but it's basically the same exact car, just with a BMW three-cylinder instead of the GM four-cylinder. Uh, so, you know, we'll look into that some more and maybe report back. But 
I, I'm not going to say it's a scam or anything, but it is a very overpriced, I think, for what it is. You know, it, they're trying to be innovative and stuff, but by now they're using, what, 10-year-old technology, basically, it seems. Yeah, so they're just making a fucking a hybrid with decent body styling and some nice interior features. So it's like, it's like putting a, a GM level Econobox motor inside of like an Audi, which is like, if you want something reliable, that's the last thing you would do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also had, um, uh, a 160 horsepower electric motor or no, two of them. So what, what about, you know, 300 something, three, 322 horsepower. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so it's like if you took a, a GM engine, a Tesla fucking setup, and then uh, a Mercedes other shit. Like, this just feels like a bad mix. Yeah. Well, and it only has 32 miles of pure electric range, uh, at least the Ouch. first version. Ouch. That was the you know 2011 version. So Still. that. That sounds to me like it was basically designed to get around like congestion taxes, like the uh, London uh, congestion taxes, which have like uh, a an exemption for electric or hybrid cars. You know, as uh, long as you're driving in electric only mo- mode in London, you can you you, do, you don't have to pay the fee or whatever. Um, which, if you got a convenient little switch, you could be like, yeah, I'm running all electric the whole time I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would also like to take this time to to, to say that there was a a model of Nissan in the seventies, I think, called the EV four. It was a prototype. And uh, if any of you have ever seen like the Econo- early Econoline pickup trucks, which is like the weird flat front pick, like mid engine pickup, oh, it yeah. looks a lot like that. It yeah, Nissan made an all electric truck in the seventies. Again, a prototype that looked like something like that. And they were fucking sick. Uh, they obviously lacked a lot of range and power and things like that because they were using underdeveloped technology, but like we're, we're currently struggling to accomplish something that Nissan had a pretty solid idea of like, <laughs> 50 years. Yeah. Ago. Well, I mean, electric vehicles are, are pretty old tech uh, technology. Yeah. Like I, there was like, I think Porsche, you know, Fernand Porsche made a hybrid car in like 1910. And, you know, there are electric cars in, like, the 1890s and stuff. So, like, it's it's nothing really new. It's just the, the technology has improved since there were, like, lead-acid batteries and DC motors and stuff. Well, so that sounds to me like um, oil companies were putting money in all the right places to make sure that technology didn't get developed. It's something <laughs> for me. Oh, I mean, we could 100% do a whole episode on, on the way, like, gas companies straight up paid to have trolley lines and public transport port lines closed and, and ripped out of the fucking street. Yeah, I mean, me and Rafi talked about that a little bit, but maybe we could even do a whole episode about that in the future. I don't know. We, I feel like if you're a listener and you're like, you know, listening to the show and we keep saying like, hey, we'll probably do a future episode on this. Can you send us the list? Because that would be helpful. <laughs> yeah, we can't keep track of this shit. We're just spitballing here. You're, we, we need help from the listeners. <laughs> yeah, every episode, we mentioned four things that we should record about, and every two weeks, we're like, yo, do we have any topics to discuss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not a 
it's not a lack of topics. It's a lack of research and, and uh, you know, motivation on our part, I think. The fundamental flaw of doing a podcast as a bunch of car guys is that you spend all your time under the fucking hood and not at a computer. Like, it's fucking hard for me to find time to research shit because I have no joke been spending three to four hours a day in my shop. Um, by the way, I looked up the new Karma Rivero um, with the updated tech, and it's got like 530-something horsepower and also about 50 miles of electric range now. So they're, they're uh, moving on up. Um, oh, and it just got bought out by a, I, th- I believe it got bought out by a Chinese company too. Well, I think that's all we got for this one. Um, yeah, I guess follow us on social media, all that. Send us an email, uh, about our car's extended warranty. And, uh, I don't know. Leave us nice reviews. Yeah. All that. Yeah, that probably helps. I assume. I don't know. Here it does. Yeah, uh, invest in our SPAC. It's coming up. We're going to sell pre-orders uh, of our car. If you want to purchase my carbon credits. Yeah, that too. Yeah, get at us. You know, you can find us on you know social media or email. But uh, let us know if you want our carbon credits or uh, if you got that list of uh, things we talked about doing future episodes on because we won't remember. So <laughs> let's on that too. Yeah. Uh, bicycles is one thing, you know that might be upcoming in the future. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> We're very unsure. <laughs> so. I don't know about bicycles. I, I'm pers- I have no problem with them, but personally, I'm strictly heterocycle. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna make you pay five to five, bitch. We make you pay five to water, bitch. We gonna fight riches and not riches, but we gonna fight the solidarity. We said we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we're going to fight with socialism. Amazingly, or not so amazingly, Cuba's crime rate is one of the lowest in the entire hemispheres. Oddly enough, it seems that when people have their basic human needs met, they're less likely to commit crimes. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Free market mythology it argues that the most ruthless, selfish, opportunistic, greedy, calculating plunderers, applying the most heartless measures in cold-blooded pursuit of corporate interest and wealth accumulation, will produce the best results for all of us. Through something called the invisible hand. <laughs> what are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you.